from the desk below. Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me one of Buffalo's finest. Uh, it's uh, Mr. Esco, fuck your dress code. Without further introductions, I have my guy, Billy Esco. How y'all doing, man? Glad to be here today. Glad to speak to the people and shit on this little chill Sunday afternoon. I was going to say, Mr. Esco, you're a humble Buffalo legend from what I hear. Man, you know, I've just been... Uh laying down the soil in the game for a while, you feel me? So it's just like, I'm glad that people are starting to, like, uh, actually pay attention to Buffalo because we've been going for a while, so it's good that the world is finally getting to see what's been going on in this, you know, this little place. And you're very Buffalo representative, too, because you're not opposed to telling the backstory of Buffalo, too, but I'm more curious on, like, how it was growing up for Billy Esco in Buffalo. Man, I mean, like, I feel like, uh, it was like any childhood. I mean, it was fun. Like, the thing about Buffalo is, like, um, growing up here is so small, but to us it's so big. So you don't really even know how big the actual city is. There's a lot of places that as kids we just didn't go. It was like geographical blocks that we just discovered later in life. So growing up in Buffalo was cool. You know, it was fun. It was a lot of activity outside. Um, a lot of like sports. A lot of people was big into sports, basketball, football. Um, so it was like a real community city. And then, I mean, as time got on, it got rugged and a little, you know, and it started getting more rugged. But um the, the music and the artistic culture, that was, like, something that it grew with time. Like, we didn't always have it, but we had, like, eclectic people. So I feel like Buffalo has a lot of unique people and stories that, like, I feel like the world gravitates towards. So it's just, like, they don't know what's going on in Buffalo, but it's pretty cool, as you know, growing up. Yeah, because, like, most people, like, they won't even know that Rick James is from Buffalo until they actually do the research on him. Yeah, in fact, shout out to Rick James, but that's the legend. And, like, he's from, like, the real soil of Buffalo. Like, he's from uh, Jefferson, which is, like, a, a very historical black neighborhood within Buffalo. And, uh, you know, everybody's aunt and uncle got a Rick James story. Like, everybody. So it's like, <laughs> He really was like out here. Like he had Eddie like the party every time party all the time song that Eddie Murphy did, they recorded that in Buffalo. Oh wow. I had no idea that was in Buffalo. Uh, they did that in Buffalo in the snowstorm. Um Man. 
So, like, where did you find your passion for music, Billy Asko? Because um, I heard that um, as a kid that your parents used to, like, put you onto like, 112 and Usher as a kid. Yeah, um, I don't know why that even appealed to me first, but, uh, yeah, I think it just, like, really started for me probably around, like, the eighth grade when, like, G-Unit came out. Okay. <laughs> and I had, like, a homie, like, I was always, like, I say, like, I was always into music as a kid. My mom was playing it. My dad was playing it. And then, like, they was playing different stuff. But then, like, um, as I got older, I wasn't into, like, the... I wasn't trying to be a rapper. But, like, uh, in the eighth grade, like, my homie, like, Gina was out. My homie used to rap. Like, freestyle we used to be in. It's like when the clips came out. You feel me? Grinding. So that beat, everybody oh, wow. was just spitting. You feel me? Spitting over it. So that was, like, my era when I was a kid. So then, like, as time went on, uh, one of my homies named Lynn C., he used to rap. And then, like, he was the first person I seen went to the studio. And then, like, one day he was like, you want to go to the studio? I went. And then years later, it just became a thing and shit. But I think it, it just started from, like, the household just, like, you know, hearing it around the house, and then it grew, you feel me, as time went on. Wow, that's actually inspirational to actually hear that, too, on how, like, you can find something and it just goes on from there. It's kind of like um, what you shared in your, most of your interviews on how you got into music, like, in around 05 with your cousin, because you met your cousin Camouflage Monk at your aunt's funeral, and it went on from there, and I found that was a very inspirational story, too, how... A passing of a family member can lead to something so great within the family. Yeah, that shit is like, that's just divine. That's just God. Like, you know, that's just, that was just like, <laughs> that was God giving me something. I, but it, it just made me understand life. I mean, everything kind of switched that day. <clears throat> them, them days. So it was just like, yeah, when I met Mark, uh, man, he took me to the studio. We got, man, and ever since then, it was just like, do it yourself. So that's why, um, as an artist, I'm more sufficient and like more polished because it was like we had to do all this shit. So we was like 16, like set up our own studio equipment and like this is like pre uh, YouTube era. So it's like you can't YouTube or Google this shit. You gotta like figure it out. So it was just no like, instructions. You just gotta learn on as you go. Yeah, man. So it was just a lot of hours in the studio. Just I spent like high school just being an artist, but like I didn't even want to, but it was just there. It was something I was doing. Um, can you remember like the vet? What was sorry? Um, did you go by Billy Esco back then, or was it something different? No, nah, no. Nah, so my name Busy, uh, B I Z Z Y, and like uh, that was like you feel me? Everybody called me that. And then right when I started, then it was Busy B. And a whole bunch of other shit, like Busy F Baby and like Busy the Great. And then uh, when I started first class with my cousin uh, Kanye, or Grape Juice, me, him, Jay Skis, Mitch Arizona, and Camouflage Monk, who was G5GI at the time, um, I was going by Chase De Niro. And then that's where Uptown Chase come from. Um, and then later on, like 2012, I changed it to Billy Esco. 
and that's when I dropped the B word. I was two thousand yeah, that was two thousand twelve. Put out this project called the B word. It's out on like that piff and shit. If you Google Billy Esco the B word, it'll pop up and like if you listen to it, that shit predate a lot of like what's going on now. Like I sampled the weekend and I was oh, like wow. twenty twelve. He had, he just came out like twenty eleven and like his songs like Chop the Screw, it's like a bunch of different references. It's a song called YSL on there. And like the beat sound like some shit now. And it's fully produced by Mitch Arizona. And I mixed and mastered the whole shit, did the cover art. We did everything. We just, that's how we was going. But we ain't had no outlets outside of like Buffalo. And like only thing that was popping was like Twitter. So it was like Twitter only went as far as trendy topics. So we couldn't really do a lot with Twitter. So it was just like regional type shit. If you can get lit regional, then you good. But if not, you just gotta like hope that the blogs pick you up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, so Billy Esco started in 2012, and then it's been that A since. Um, Uptown Chases for like business and fashion and everything else. Billy Esco is just my artist name. Okay, I like how you brought um included that Uptown Chase because I was wondering where that came from too. Um, so your project that you very first ever came out with was called the Chase, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that's L that you know that. Yep, that was the first, right? Uh, we dropped like group projects before then under first class, but that was my first solo project. Okay, and now, and can people still find that on Dapper? Mm hmm. It's under Chase De Niro. It's, it's called The Chase. That shit is actually fire. I went off. It's crazy. Yo, like, I feel like if you, when you listen to this old music, and, like, we're going to reissue it somehow. We're trying to find, like, a platform that we can do it where we can use. Because, like, the chase is, like, I was using, like, like, I went off of, like, Soldier Boy, Pretty Boy Swag. And oh, then I wow. went off of, like, a common beat. And then I went off of uh, Feeling in the Air, Beanie Siegel. And, like, uh, Kanye, I went off of uh, Devil in the New Dress. Oh, wow. Very so, like, versatile. Yeah. So it was, like, the arrangement of songs and, like, to this day, people in Buffalo still come up to me, and, or like people, friends from like New York, because that's when I first started college. So a lot of my okay. friends from like college was listening to that shit, and they are still telling me like to this day, like yo, I still fuck with the chase. Like <laughs> I still listen to that shit. My man's he got it stuck in his car because of CD era. He said that drink got stuck in a CD player. That's all he ever listened to. Hey, it was meant to be. Yeah, facts. So yeah, the chase. I encourage everybody listening to this to go find that joint. Even if you go on YouTube, you can find videos under Chase De Niro. And it's like, I think like five videos. And like, it's this one video called Styling on them. And like, the whole sneaker culture. This is like 2011. If you look at the sneakers that I had then, it's like, if I had, like, it's just like, we predate a lot of things, but we was under the radar. And we didn't even know we was predating shit. We was just doing it, you know what I mean? So if you go back and check it out, then it's going to add to, like, the catalog. It's like um, an, an unwritten prophecy, would you say? Yeah, man. Yeah, in fact, I definitely had a prophecy about this shit. Like, um, so, and then I understand after the chase, the B was to symbolize the Billy Esco name. So it was that, and it was just a bunch of other shit, like, believe and, like, belief and, um, it was a bunch of different things but yeah it was definitely to roll out the whole Billy Esco character and shit like that 
Okay. And then you took a break after that from what I, from what I understand. Yeah. Um just like life, man. Just like you know, I just turned what, twenty one when I dropped the B word or twenty yeah, I was twenty yeah, twenty one when I dropped the B word. Okay. And um so it was just like yeah, man, that shit was just a time where like life happened, I was in school. So school, I was doing school for a time, um, studying like fashion design and art history, and like that shit was just like a lot. So, and at the time, like I wasn't like I cared about music my whole life, but like I don't know, I just like at that time with music, it was getting weird. Like 2012, 2013 was like a weird time of music, and then it got it started to pick up. But during that time, it was a lot of like what we call filler music, which is just like when your favorite artist is not dropping music, it's a lot of other music that comes out in that void. And because there's nothing else stronger out, that stuff starts to propel. So at that time, it was like a lot of shit. I just wasn't feeling. And then I just I just was like, took an, I took a break. And that's when I was really working on fashion a lot. And that's when I started doing the clothes more. And I had a clothing brand called 1990s and then that's when season came about and all that other shit but yeah so i took a little break okay well well and then they say everything happens for a reason too would you say like during that break too like the fashion really started to like inspire you, you a lot more because like you you're very big on fashion from what i understand too like somebody must have got you into that too or were you always like somebody very fly like put something together by accident like yo this is actually pretty fly I think it was both, um, honestly. Like, uh, you know, I had people like, my dad is a good dresser. And, like, my mom, she's, like, very, like, she's very creative. Like, my mom is, like, super creative. She know how to put things together. But my dad, he always had, like, pieces. And, like, he always dressed, like, fly, like my dad. So then, like, as I got older, I would just pick things. And honestly, like, monk. Like, he really taught, like, he put me in the direction of this, and I just went from there. But he was the first person to really show me, like, oh, cop kicks every week. Or, like, uh, you know, like, just different little things and ideologies and, like, how to rock. Or not, not even how to rock it, but just, like, what to rock. And, like, the little nuances. Like, back then, like, he was really big into, like, clothes and stuff. Even his older brother worked at, like, this premier clothing store in Buffalo. So we were able to get mad shit. So I was on a lot of things as a kid. And then I just, after my sophomore year of high school, I started getting into, like, sneaker selling. And it was over. I just went crazy. Yeah, because the sneaker resale game is crazy. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because, like, I that's one of the things, like, like, my character defines me because, like, I'm not always into, like, business is not my first mindset. Feel me? Like, my first mindset is, like, like to better a situation. Now, granted, like, business, better situations. But for me, it's just, like, that's why art, my art is so strong because it's, like, I really focus on being an artist more than, like, selling my art and shit like that. So 
with sneakers, like when I was selling them shits, it was a time where sneaker culture wasn't that big. But when it got that big, I didn't like the exploitation of it because I don't like I don't like posers. Yeah. So it's like you feel me. So like when people get in the way of that and it becomes this other thing, I just separate myself from that. You feel me? But as I progress in time, I learn how to utilize that more than to shun it away. I like how you brought that up too because me and my friend we were talking about that the other day. We were like, did you notice like how this retail sneaker game is like got the spotlight on it? And then we were saying like, this must have been like some kind of underground before this, before it got so mainstream. And it's like, oh, yeah, how, yeah, like how you brought that up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it was a time where like man, people thought we were out of our minds for spending X amount of dollars on shoes or like. You know, going that hard. I remember, like, like I never officially camped. Actually, no, I did camp out for some kicks, like, in the car and shit. But, like, never outside. But, like, I remember when people used to do that. People used to shun them. Like, these people was crazy. But, like, back then, they were the ones that were dedicated. And this was, like, not for, like, a Travis Scott release. This is for, like, some Nike SBs. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> or, like... This is for like some Air Maxes that's like finish line exclusive or like you know what I mean countdown packages like this yeah. was for like real sneakers and then like now the retail game is crazy because there's a lot of people that wants to pay to have them to show other people they have them whereas before these people was collecting them these was like coveted these was like vintage Star Wars toys or, like, fucking old comic books. You know what I mean? Like, they keep they kept that shit, like, coveted. So at the time, sneaker culture was like that. Now it's just, like, business. You know, but it's still cool. Shout out to the sneaker game. It should make me money. Um, what's your favorite, like, favorite brand of sneakers that you ever bought? And, like, you always, you actually still have a pair, too, but you just, like, will never wear them. Uh, something that I have that I'll never wear. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, I always keep a pair of, like, uh, white on white, low top, um, Air Force Ones. In Buffalo, we call them Nike Ones. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I keep a pair of those, like, dead stock, just... Just for nostalgia, just for, just for aesthetic purposes, I feel like as an uptown person, you gotta have a, a pair of all whites, just crispy at all times. It's like a buffalo culture kind of thing, would you say? Yeah, I feel like it's a because it, you know it's like I attribute it to like just uptown across the world because I feel like the white low tie Air Force One has made its way through a lot of communities, but I definitely will say it was coined. In New York, but Buffalo go hard for like Air Force Ones. You feel me? Shout out my cousin Reef for putting me on the Nike ones. Okay, I'll keep it all the way a buck if you Billy ask. I'm not big on the sneaker game. Like the most things I ever seen was like uh, was like the Eminem Encore Nikes. I'm like, yo, those are dope. And then somebody said the price. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Right. <laughs> right. Them shit. But the crazy thing about it is like the resale game on them shits is like. Oh, thousands of dollars. It's retired almost. Shit, crazy. You can retire off selling a few sneakers like that. No, you really can't. You can make millions of dollars.
college, and that's what it's like. That shit is ridiculous because I would have never thought that because like this, like I was just never have, and I dreamed of shit like this. Like I really like when I was younger, like I wanted for like sneakers to like be a thing. Like I just wanted to do so before I wanted to do music fully. I was always doing music, but before it was like, okay, this is what it is. I always wanted to be like in a sneaker coach. Like some type of sneakers working for like a company. Really it was Jordan, like working for Jordan or like working for like Nike and like designing sneakers, designing colorways and shit like that. Like I was always like something I wanted to do. So then like as I got more that's why the clothing, you feel me, suffices for that right now. I bet you that it really inspires you a lot, too, when you see, like, rappers getting, like, their own sneaker to design and stuff. Like, like this is actually possible. Yeah, that shit is cool. Like, it, it definitely is, like, wow, I can't believe, like, they got shoes or, like, they're getting, like, it's crazy to see how the time is changing. You know what I mean? It's just, like, the acceptance. But just, like, I'm just curious to see, like, where is it gonna go? And, you know, um, how I can contribute to that in some way. And it also shows throughout your music, too, because even the cover for Aesthetic Raps, too, it's very fashionable design, too. It's not like your regular album cover. Yeah, um... So, shout-out to uh, Alexander Visions, who uh, was a photographer on that. Um, and, like, basically, we just did a shoot. Yeah, set it up. And um, that that photo is actually... I did that like 2016, I believe. Oh wow! So I was like, yeah, so it was like I had that image for a while, and um, it's been that since then. Like, and it's crazy because I lost my my uh, my front, uh, the gold teeth, like the very next day. I was so pissed. Oh yeah, I, I would be too. <laughs> yeah, I was so pissed, man. I lost them when I was on a date. I was. Pissed. You know somebody found him probably tried him out. <laughs> no, what no, what happened was me and my then girlfriend was uh at this spot eating. I put him in a uh in a napkin and the waitress thought it was trash. So when I went to oh. the bathroom she grabbed all that shit and I left not knowing. I look for him. I'm thinking while I'm driving, I turn around, I go back. No, she's in the trash, gone. She can't find out. I'm like, fuck. It's over. Yeah, well, something just got like it. But at least you got the picture with him, though. That's what I was saying. Like, at least that shit's like, uh, I feel, and you know, I utilized it. So it was just like, now it's and more, like, now it's just, feel me? It's cemented in foreverness. And then, like, when I listened to tracks like Duck Boots or GLC Benz 2, I was like, wow, man, this guy should have blown a long time ago. Yeah, man, it's just like, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, everything's about timing. And, um, you just gotta know, like, what you gotta do during those times to get to where you're going. You know what I mean? And then it's like, with me, I do a lot. So it's just like, picking and choosing, you know, in which way to, like, increase my my status. So it was like I was shifting between music and fashion and traveling and finding myself and all that other good stuff. So it was just like time. And then, too, one thing I do know is, like, Buffalo wasn't accepted then. 
I was like, I can't even be mad because I understand, like, Buffalo wasn't accepted. And there was a lot of things that I just wasn't fucking with that was the reason why I didn't blow. Like, I didn't like certain industry shit. And I didn't like certain tactics to have to, like, gain, gain attention. Like, I didn't want to do all that shit. I just wanted it to be natural. You feel me? And, like, people genuinely fuck with my music. That's why anybody who ever listens to my music, I fuck with them because I know that it wasn't because somebody just overhyped it or, like, I know it's genuine. And even if somebody overhyped my music, that's cool. However you find it, it's cool. But I know the people that is resonating with right now is, like, that's the core. So we building the core right now and then the rest will follow. Like, I ain't even worried, but you know, right now we just really focus on the core. Now that Buffalo is out of the place where, like, I cared about the people. You know, I always came back when I traveled and stuff. So it was just like, I didn't just do it for myself. So it was going to take longer. Because if it was really just about me, yeah, I could have been blue. That was easy because I was around everything. But it really was about the city because it's like, bro, it's mad ill people here. Like, it's not just me. And I'd rather work with the people here and get them situated because they ideals, I feel like, is sometimes better. It's just people outside know how to execute things more. They're used to it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, man. Wow, that's really rare. That's really rare to actually hear saying, like, you do it for the people in the city, too, because most people would be for themselves. Right, man. I don't know. It's just like, bro, I was traveling and I was meeting people. And I was just like, yo, this shit wavy. And they was like, they was looking at me like, they was so fascinated by a person like me from Buffalo. I was just like, what the fuck? And I would go to all these different cities and people would just fuck with me. And they would be curious, like, what is Buffalo like if you like this? And I'm just like, yo, crazy thing about it is like, I'm one of few there, but it's so many other personalities and so many other waves and styles going on. And I think that's so unique that I just was like, man, I got to do I got to do it because I don't like at the time I was like, who else going to do it? If I don't now, the whole city running. So it's just like, it's better. And you were um, this is what I love about Buffalo, too, because Buffalo has a deep history within its local hip hop scene, too. You remember the zombies, Billy Asko? Yeah, I do. Shout out to them. I'm gonna shout out to them. I actually uh, covered them too. Those my guys right there. Oh, word. Yeah, man. That's what's up. You tapped in. All right. Well, because like Buffalo, I've been saying this since um the beginning of last uh beginning of last year, uh 2018. I'm like, yo, Buffalo is on the rise. And then when I got the opportunity to like start finding some of these rappers who were had the local buzz before everything started taking off, it really made me wanna. Go dig deep. And that's how I started to find people like Lucky Seven, um, Duffelbag Hardy, Rick Hyde, um, even like DJ Shade, like with the Buff City records too. It, it just yeah, like. Yeah, that's ew, You know about Buff City. That's crazy. It yeah, just like. So. It's just something about Buffalo that it's just like, wow, how did I not know about this all these years ago too? But then again, and it, it, it was all because of uh, Combat Jack when he interviewed West Side Gun. I was like, there's gotta be other guys. Other than this, in in the city, and it just went on. I'm glad you thought about that. Shout out, man. Rest in peace, Combat Jack, man. That's the homie, bro. 
like, that is definitely, he was a, a very great individual. And, like, yeah, he was the first person to really show love on a big platform. And it's crazy how even, like, podcasts are, like, super big. And it's like, damn, he was, like, really, like, the pioneer for, like, hip-hop podcasts. Yeah, he was. That, you feel me? Yeah, so it's just, like, but, yeah, we do got the history with music because a lot of people and a lot of, because, like, our parents or grandparents, they was musicians and some type of bands. And so it's just, like, a lot of people grew up around music as a small city, so, like, if shit is popping, people gonna get on it. And then even when we was growing up, a lot of people had, like, label structures because back then, people modeled after, like, Rockefeller or Rough Riders or uh, bad boy or no limit you know what I mean so people had real entertainment companies and street teams and like it was really oriented back then but it was just like rap and like it was popping like Buffalo had a real deep scene it just like drowned out because the city like start shutting their venues down for uh, like for hip hop crowds because a lot of times back then it was mad hip hop places in buffalo but now it's it's very hard to like really throw like big shows here can't really do a lot oh wow really because it's just because of the venues i'm guessing yeah man it's still like a super segregated city like it's weird like we live amongst each other but there's like invisible like racism here and it's like some blatant but it's just like us there's a divide even if there's a crowd full of you know diverse people it's still a divide and like and it's not like harsh all the time but it's just like in certain instances it is and especially when it comes to like the nightlife it's not really a lot for just like hip-hop clubs like you know so you gotta make do and then when it comes to throwing shows it's weird because they don't really believe in like that the the like they'll throw a show for like Waka Flocka Easy or like fucking whoever is a rapper that they know on TV. Like that's it. If you was on TV and they really seen you, cool. But if you're not that, they looking at you like who's that? They think yeah, they thinking like oh this is a risk, and it's so weird because it's like you take on more of a risk by bringing on a well known act, especially when they bring like. They'll bring like Fat Joe, and or like they'll bring like like I said like or they bring like Joe Buttons or like fucking like I said Waka Flocka and it's like man, but you won't let like this dude that actually is garnishing attention across the you feel me the world, man. He's from Buffalo and you won't let him throw a show and it's like yeah, that crazy. says something right there too as well. Yeah, it should be crazy, man. Should be crazy, but in due time, things will get changed. So we just working on getting our own shit instead of having to depend on others. Um. So back to what I was saying too about like uh, the Buff City days too. Did you ever get a chance to work with Shay back in the day? Um, not Shay directly, but I was around it a lot. Um, I had people that was uh, signed to them and affiliated with them, and I was always at their studio. Like, so we is always like, and I was a fan of their stuff. Like Shay back then was like. He was really running a big company, and, like, he had a lot of good talent, and, um, man, that's where Benny come from, like, I was listening to Benny in high school, you know what I mean, and, like, oh, wow. uh, 
Oh yeah, facts. Benny Conway, like when Conway was canon and like a bunch of people like and this they used we used to have like these mixtapes, man, these Buffalo mixtapes that used to be sold at the corner store and like they had a lot of good good fucking songs on there and it was just like Buffalo music. I used to listen to that. So um, Yeah man, I should go back. For for you from being from Buffalo too, did um Conway used to go by Jimmy Conway as well too, right? Yeah, he went by a assortment of names, Jimmy Conway, and he went by something else like back in the day. But uh, it was Jimmy Conway, and then it became Conway. It's just it's crazy to see the growth of like the city itself too. Like even people like look, I I, I said this many of times on the podcast. Your Lucky Seven's one of my most favorite artists upcoming up because like, but he's been around forever too. Yeah, yeah Lucky Seven been around. And especially like uh, shit, like the early Wiz Khalifa days, like around uh, like he was around, like like he got a real like background. And um, man, shout out to him. We worked a lot together. Um, I was curious too on how you actually met Lucky because you guys also have a crazy chemistry when you guys collaborate with the music. Facts. Um, I kind of know him for a while, just over like just the, the circuit of music and um just doing shows and shit and then I mean a couple years ago I think we just like seeing each other out or some shit and was just like yo we gotta like link up work together he had a studio so I pulled up he had a nice setup he like safe you know feel free to record when you want we start recording that's when we start working on uh what is that um cafe um so okay. I, I did the like initial I started it there and then like I uh I went to LA to finish it out there. Oh, so and then so you also been to LA too, so that must have explained why you got invited to Drake's pool party. Uh, okay, so that was, uh, that was <laughs> But you nice. didn't go, I heard. That's, yeah, that shit is hilarious. Yo. That's hilarious. Yo. That was actually in Toronto. Oh, okay. I actually was in Toronto during uh, Carabana and one of my homegirls, she uh, she's just cool with them or whatever. She she was saying like, you know, we could pull up if we is tired though. So we just like we sitting there smoking on a balcony. Like, man, this is much cooler. And then I end up going back to my hotel. Like, but it was funny because I'm like, damn, this is crazy that like I'm just in Toronto. Like, I got invited to the party. <laughs> yeah. Just going to Toronto, not even expecting it. It's like, hey, you want to go to Drake's pool party? It's like, what? Oh, I just want to chill. Yeah, I'm just chilling. And like, like, it was just, it was cool. So yeah, shout out to, shout out to her. But it also says like a lot about your humbleness too, because like any person would be like going crazy. It's like, yo, I just got invited to Drake's pool party. But like, you know, a tweet is okay, but like most people, they like like that. They would be dragging it on for like nine months. Like, hey, we get it. Yeah, no, I feel you. Well, because it's like this. At the end of the day, like you know, it was, for one, I'm like it was through a, a, a mutual party, right. and it was through my homegirl. So it's like you know, if he hit me up, and even then, it's like you feel me. That's different, like because then we will have a relationship where you can hit me up, like yo, bro, you want to come here? Where I can say yes or no. But um, I don't know, man. It's just like I understand that people are who they are. But at the end of the day, like, 
they people and like yeah. when you look at them as people they much they actually can be cooler or you can find out the real them but if they actually check out to be cool it's it's a better feeling than just like going crazy over them just because they famous like that shit don't really like it like when I see people I may feel like and inside I may be like damn this shit crazy like this is fucking I can't believe this shit but like you still gotta look at it like bruh they're people they people you know what I mean they people like going to concerts really taught me that seeing these people live and just being like man this dude short as fuck (laughs) this dude yo this dude is like Seeing Jay Z is like, oh shit, this is Jay tall as hell. Like, what the fuck, Jay Z tall? Like, this is why this nigga is taking. Like, it was just little shit. Like, it was just, it was like seeing these people, and then you could really see who they are and see their mannerisms and judge them for people. Because at the end of the day, we people. I don't give a fuck what you make. We people. So it's like you could be good at all the art, but if you whack as a person, that shit is just like. Bro, that shit is something else. So I, you know, that's a, that's one thing money can never buy is personality. I say. Yeah, that's a fact. Like, yeah, that's a fact. Because like it may all like it may like totally destroy you as a person though. But like 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 a person without money, it really shows who you are. Yeah, facts. That's a whole fact. Um. So I was curious too about uh, Club Arizona Records. Is that your um record label? No, so it's like, alright, so I'm a part of it, but uh, it's my best friend, Mitch Arizona, so like, uh, he's like, the, man, he's like, like the main, I might even say the main producer, but like, he just like, to first class and to like the whole, to my shit, like to music for me, and everything we got going on, he just kind of like the centerpiece as far as like the music, so... We just, like, rightfully so, and, like, he got daughters, so it's just, like, let's set something up that, like, we can lead people, you feel me? And it's, like, Club Arizona, we've been rocking that wave, because, like, the type of music we make, that's what it's about. It's, like, when Club Arizona is fully defined, you'll see, like, it's an actual sound that is going to be produced from this, you know, this, 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 this entity. So, right now, we just set in the growls. I like how you said it's going to be a sound, too, because, like, the records that I heard from it, too, it's, like, nothing I ever heard, too, and I said it recently. I'm like, this is, like, a unique sound right here. Man, shout out to, to again, Mitch, man. Shout out to Monk. Shout out to uh, OG Soul. I mean, it, it comes down to, like, our sample picking, and then, like, we just start building sounds. But if you listen to, like, our old shit, you'll, like you'll see, like, okay, like, it's this project called First in Line, and it's under First Class, and, like, First Class is spelled with a one, so it's F1RST in a class. So, like, when you listen to them old shit, you'll hear, like, okay, we were starting something, like, we were starting the sound of ourselves. So now it's, like, more polished. Now it's like we can really fully define what that sound is like, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, it doesn't sound like anything else because we from Buffalo and because like we have a different way of thinking. Just a little bit, just because of the things that was here for us to see and for us to not see. 
Okay. Well, and also, too, it's like something about, like, leaving something behind, like what you said, too. Because, like, most people, they want to be here now instead of focusing on what they can leave behind for it to benefit their family in the long run. You know, that's a fact. I mean, I said, I understand it because, like, some people just ought to get it. Like, we got to get it. And I understand the urgency for some people, and some people just greedy. Um, But at the end of the day, like, you got to be strategic about this shit. Uh, You got to be smart. And then, like, on top of that, it's like, man, family first. Yeah, that's very true. It's like, he the one that really, like, built the sound as far as like the beats and shit a lot he produced on all my projects but like without him then it'd just be like different it wouldn't be the same like we could make different music and shit it's all because i got it i got a way of making music too it's like i'm i know the type of shit that i like to rap on and i know how i can switch up style so it's like it's my penmanship as well and, like, my choice of beats. Because, like, we'll sit down and pick samples. Like, I'll text them a sample or, like, I'll hear some shit. We'll go through beats. Sometimes we'll add shit. I'll tell them, like, switch this drum pattern or, like, let's figure. Like, we'll go and sit down. A lot of times he just comes on with the shit. But I'm very hands-on as well. So I know how to, like, really create those nuances for my music. Well, also, too, it shows within your music, too, like, even the track, like, Vices, too. Um, I gotta ask, too, because I'm a, I'm a fan of coffee, so if anything, like, with the word cafe in it, I'm a fan, like, for the people who know me, I'm a big Red Cafe fan, but... Okay. <laughs> Yo, Red Cafe? <laughs> yes, sir. Yo, I, not to cut you off, but real fast, it's funny as hell because we performed at this fucking college in Fredonia. And like Red Cafe performed there, it was so fucking. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, Red Cafe is one of the most underrated artists out there. Yeah, bro, that's so fucking <laughs> red, yo. And then we, they treated us like fucking stars, though. That shit was like amazing, and it was like thirty people there. It wasn't even <laughs> thirty, bro. It wasn't even thirty people there, bro. But they treated us like fucking stars. We had backstage, everything, man. Food, we had everything, liquor, and we went to a party. They took us to a little party. That shit was fun as hell. Shout out to Fredonia. Shout out to Red Cafe. Um, yeah, big, yeah, actually, that's, it's like, it's like, we're waiting, um, so it's curious, too, um, what, what I was saying before, too, I'm a fan of coffee or anything, so if a rapper has, like, anything that has, like, the word coffee or cafe in it, I'm a fan of, so I was curious, you had, like, a whole project named Cafe, and I, and I gotta ask, why the name Cafe? Um, alright, so it's a multitude of reasons, but, uh, to just narrow it down, one, I fuck with cafes. Okay. Like, I just, like, I like cafes. I'm simple as way. Um, I like the aesthetic of it. I fuck with, like, certain shit there, like, uh, cappuccinos and, like, macarons and croissants and shit. Like, I like that food. So, I like the vibe of it. And then, it really started from an idea where, in Buffalo, it's not a lot of places that you can go and chill at. Like, just kick it where it's not, like, someone's house or, like... Like, like out here, if you're not at someone's house or going out to, like, eat at, like, a restaurant or, like, there's a few coffee shops, but it's not, like, just a place to just chill and just feel like this is a vibe. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Catch a vibe from it. Yeah, 
Yeah, so it's like it's not a lot of spots that you could do that from between the times of like two and seven. So I'm like, the cafe ideal came from actually wanting to make a cafe, but because I, like at the time I couldn't, so it was just like let's make a you know conceptual cafe and like let's bring people to my place so they can understand like my taste better because against the rest of the music like. I don't sound like other people, so I don't fit in with other music at times. You know what I mean? So instead of like trying to put my music against them and clubs and all these other places, take it to a cafe and you can listen to my music and my music sound way better. And you can really understand that shit and it fit the vibe. So it's just like taking them to my place type shit. See, this is why I love when artists do interviews, too, because it gives more appreciation when you actually hear the backstory behind the art itself, too, because now it makes so much sense when I hear, like, the tracks like Venton and Venomance or, like, Complex Consistency. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it now. Facts, yeah, yeah. It was just all about, like, you know, taking you to my place and having a conversation with you. That really was the whole, like... That literally was how I did the whole album. Like, even with the interviews, like, we literally went to the Met um, in New York, which is the Metropolitan uh, Modern, whatever this shit is. It's the museum. Uh, a Metropolitan Museum. Okay? And it's called the Met. That shit is like, they got old artifacts from, like, bro, I'm talking about BC. Like, they got the shit you look at in your textbooks. They have, like, all of this shit from all across the world, from, like, Egypt and ancient Rome and ancient Greece. And it's, like, these old busts and, like, from ancient Rome, from, like, 600 fucking A.D. and all this other crazy shit. And it's just, like, so we did the interview there. And, like, it was just basically, again, like, bringing them to my place and then let's have a conversation on, like, where I've been at. You know, understanding, like, who I really am and, like, what's really going on with in my situations because after gallery it was like a little gap so it was like to tell you like what's been going on with myself so like let's talk um even for you having um certain music out there i understand too that you have a lot of unreleased music as well yeah in fact we got a lot of shit sitting on a lot of music um i'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm put it out soon um, I heard in our interview by you, um, because, like, if I'm a fan of somebody's music, I want to hear what they have to say outside the music, too, because, like, I'm a fan first before anything. Um, right. I heard that you have, like, you went to, like, an art gallery and you got inspired by, like, a by a painting that was worth, like, $50 million, and there's an album called Evan. I, I may say the name on Evangard or something like that, and you never put it out or something like that. Alright, so... What, what that was was uh, there's a painting by this artist named Jackson Pollock. Um, it's called Convergence. You can look it up, and it's just like this chaotic piece of artwork. It's just like beauty. It's so ill, but then it's like you looking at it, you like, bro, I could do this, but then you look at it close. It's like, damn, this shit is like madness, and it's like craziness. And then like, yeah. They told me it was fifty million. I'm just like, what the fuck? And at the time, like, I'm into like film a lot. So like, one of my favorite films is like Ocean Eleven, Ocean Twelve. Okay. Like, like James Bond shit, like, uh, like spy movies, like art movies, like shit like that. Like I always 
fuck with that. So, um... So, like, the Da Vinci Code and things like that, okay. Yeah, I fuck with shit like that. So then, like, um... When I... Okay, so, to, basically, after the B-word, I took a break. And then that's when I went through this life change. And then once, like, I went through this epiphany, then I came up with avant-garde. Like, that shit literally happened, like, in the craziest way ever. Like, it just came to me. And then avant-garde was the name. And, like, the way I do albums, I make the title of the album, and then I make the track list, and then I write songs to the songs that I... Like, the song titles and shit like that. So I did all that. I wrote, like, a whole film script, everything. And then this is, like, 2014, so... I did this, I made, like, each song, I um, contracted, like, an artist to, like, do a painting or some type of, um, some type of art for it. Most of them was paintings, some drew, um, it was some digital art, and basically every song on the album has, a, like, a piece of artwork that's okay. attached to it. Um, and then, like, initially, I'm gonna do an art gallery for that joint. Um, next year would be like the five or six year anniversary for it. So what happened was when I, and this is at the time I was make, I was mixing my own music. So at the time when I was making it, we was like, I was like fucking a madman. Like I've never been as tapped in as I was then. Like that shit was crazy. And like I was mixing every single day, every night I wasn't sleeping. So it was certain songs that like when I listened to it after I had put it out, I wasn't feeling the mix. And at the time, this was like SoundCloud era. So it was like, I couldn't get, like, this is like pre-streaming, but like right when streaming was about to start. So like the blogs was like in a weird place. And like, this is like days before rodeo time. Because okay. that was like what dropped right after. And honestly, to be truthful, like, that was like, all right, not the sound that he created, but the, like, how it actually sounded. Yeah. Like, as far as in the speakers and shit was what I wanted to intent. And, like, certain songs hit that, but certain songs missed that. So when I took it down, I was trying to fix it, and I just never put it back out. But this is where you get certain songs like Satin Jackets with West Side Gun or, like, Art Money with, like, True V and, like, little shit like that because that came from that album. But, like, that album came out 20, I want to say 14 or 15. Oh, wow. Um, so this is the wow. This was, okay, so basically, is The Chase was 2011, The B-Word was 2012, I took a break, 2014, I dropped um, Avant-Garde. Yes, then, that was the name. Yeah, Avant-Garde. So, then I dropped that, and like, that album, again, predates, like, this whole, I got a song, I had a song on there called Bait Wars. I had a song on there uh, called fucking Great American Jew Ice. Like, it was a bunch of different textures of music. It was like skits. It's like a whole little storyboard on there. Like, it's like an actual skit throughout the album that, like, play out like a narration. It's like a story. So, basically, it was supposed to continue into two other projects. And I was still going to school at the time. So, I graduated school in 2016 or 2015. So at that time, I was trying to finish this album, and it was going to be the sequel to that, but I was going through school trying to juggle both, and I just couldn't finish the recording, because this is the time where Buffalo music isn't a big thing, so 
my studio was down and I was still doing it myself. So it wasn't like a lot of big studios you could go to. All the mix engineers was like rock and roll or like jazz or like, you feel me? It wasn't really like catered towards like vocal hip hop music to make it sound good. So we was doing it for ourselves. And I just wanted the sound to be like, I wanted the sound to be progressive. Like I wanted it to hit. So I just wasn't going to settle. And at the same time, that's when we started the magazine company. So a bunch of shit was going into play that I just couldn't finish at that time. It's just my ideals is bigger than myself. So it was just like, but it set up everything else. So this is where you get gallery from. So gallery comes from the void of not dropping that next project. I was like, oh shit, I, I got to drop some shit. Let me drop gallery. And then from gallery cafe, then bam, yeah. But they but they say too like some things may never go as plans too, but sometimes that may work for them and the benefit in the long run. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um shit is shit is crazy how shit work out. Would you ever consider re releasing that project? Yeah, we are working on that actually. Um we're gonna put it out for the anniversary of it. It came on August fifth. Um, so we gonna put it out this year, uh, twenty well, twenty twenty, August fifth, twenty twenty. We might put it out earlier, but I think that um, to really like do it right, we're gonna put it out um, on its anniversary. So yeah, that joint, that's really gonna be. We gonna just make it special. And I think now with Buffalo having like such incredibility, like the buzz going around it, too, I think people will actually catch on and appreciate that more. And it'll be mixed the way you want it to as well. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So, should it be, should it be right? And it's going to be cool. And I, I just, I'll be happy that people get to hear this along with, like, the new music that we're working on. Exactly. Um, I have two more questions for you, Billy Esco, and then I'll let you go, my guy. Okay. Um, so, I have a question as well, too. Um, being that Buffalo has a long history within itself in the hip-hop scene, too, has the idea of a Buffalo hip-hop documentary, like, detailing, like, the 90s until now ever come across your mind? Um, so, that is a good question. Like, um, shout-out to my homie Xavier and my homie Creative Connect. They actually just put out a documentary you can watch on YouTube. It's called, um, Anti-Culture. I'll send it to you after this interview. Um, and basically, like, it details, like, what's been going on in the last two years in certain circumstances. And then there's, like, one from back in the day. Now, the thing about it is, like, we as artists now don't, everyone doesn't know about the full culture and, like, even, like, the 90s. Like, it's, it's like, separated. The, the information is separated. But in the future, I'm definitely going to make sure because I, I want to put out the shit that's been going on in the last 10 years. So yeah. if I can collect, you know, collect the information from back in the day and how I really got to like, because I started like, I understood music like 2000, 2001, 2002. I started seeing Buffalo artists like 2004 or five. So that's as far as my knowledge go back. But if I can get more, get other people to talk about it, yeah, one day we definitely gonna make sure we show the world what's going on. And that'd be a, one hell of a documentary too. Be bridging the gap on both ends too, from the '90s into the new era. 
Right, man, right. Um, well, Billy Esco, too, uh, you seem like a very indivi- a very well-rounded individual to ask this question, too, and I bet you there's a lot of people who look up to you, too. Um, if they're listening to this interview, too, um, I always like to end off the interview for something a little motivational because that's the whole reason why I love interviews is, like, if they give that little bit of motivation, that could change somebody's whole day. So with that being said, um, do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? Man, that was an ill question. Um, oh, thank you. Damn, that was absolutely, like, honestly, man, just understand that, like, that shit is a real place. Like, I understand it more than people will understand. Um, you know, like, we all go through shit, and we think that, like, we're the only people going through it, but it's a lot of people going through, um, you know, some shit. So with that being said, like, the first thing is just, like, find something you could believe in. Like, it don't matter if it's, like, the smallest thing. It could be something fictional or real. It don't matter. But find something, like, you could believe in. And hold on to that while you're trying to build yourself back up. And just understand, like, it don't happen in a day. But the ideal could switch. And, like, that day that you choose to really say, like, all right, I'm going to do something about it, there's going to be days that's going to trip you up again. And that's what you got to understand. Like, tomorrow I could be sad and be like, damn, what happened to the energy? But as long as you got it in the back of your head that, like, yo, I got to get back up, I got to keep going, then it's just going to be like, it's a fight, but just understand that like there's a lot of people fighting you're not the only one so don't feel like the world is against you and just keep going because it's going to change as long as you change it you know what i mean oh, that was a very motivational answer too i even i may take some of that to advice too <laughs> Man, i need to take some of that <laughs> <laughs> well uh you got amazing energy of billy esco too and i'm glad we finally knocked this out yeah, man, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for, you know, just taking interest and, you know, getting my word and shit. I appreciate this. And this was a cool interview, man. Like, this was definitely cool. You asked some good questions. So I'm glad that, like, you know, you over there paying attention. That's just, like, more motivation for me to know that, like, yo, people is, like, I'm meeting people because of my music. More than just, like, I got fans. It's like, yo, bro, I'm actually meeting people and, like, having conversations with, like, people that, like, live in all these places I've never been and it's like damn this is all off of my music you know what I mean so it's dope man. I appreciate you oh, I appreciate that okay? and sometimes you just never know what people will gravitate to in life I just happen to gravitate to buffalo hip hop something in the water over there you guys got is there anything you want to plug in Billy Esco before I let you go CafeSeason.com. Uh, what else? Season is spelled C Z E N. Um, what else? Shit, shout out to the low kids, to the whole city. Um, Aesthetic Raps is out now. Uh, Volume 2 is coming soon. Um, and shit, yeah, man. 2020 is going crazy. Definitely, like what I've been saying all for the past two years. Buffalo definitely on the rise. So with that being said, Amen. this is another classic interview. I know I say classic a lot, but I really do be dropping classics, especially from people from Buffalo. Another classic interview from Desk Low featuring my guy, Billy Esco.